everything in business is a gamble. People generally buy people. It's genius! We want an education. What you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? Buy-in, buy-in. You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Belil Springer. For your industry, by your industry. Hair salons can often look the most attractive on the high street, but they can also be wasteful businesses by design and infrastructure. Simultaneously, public consciousness about climate change has reached a record level. Google's head of sustainability, Kate Brandon, reports that in 2020, internet searches for how to live more sustainably increased by 4,550%. People are taking steps in their day-to-day lives to reduce their personal impact on the environment. And they're increasingly expectant that brands and businesses mirror their efforts. Plus, besides being an ethical choice for the planet, a salon's commitment to sustainability will help to attract like-minded customers. So where does that leave the salon industry? On the show today to explore the question is no other than Fry Taylor, co-founder and general manager of Green Salon Collective. Founded by a team of hairdressers, environmental experts and campaigners, Green Salon Collective is working to create a circular economy for salon waste throughout Ireland and the UK. Their goal? To eliminate the need for salons to send anything to landfills at all. People have this perception that, uh, oh, I've got this bottle on my shelf, so now I'm a sustainable salon, or I've got... Now, now I'm recycling with Green Salon Collective, so now I'm a sustainable salon. It doesn't quite work like that because there could be other things that you're doing that would have a negative effect on the environment, but you don't realize it. We don't just look at sustainability. We also look at the ethics as well, and they do, they do sometimes cross over. A recycling bin is, is like the modern-day shepherd's pie because most people will think a recycling bin recycles. But in, in Australia, in Oceania, UK and Ireland, you're looking at sort of like 10 to 20% of what goes in a recycling bin actually gets recycled. So that really got me thinking about salons because I was thinking, well, salons actually um, is going to be even less because the reason recycling rates are so low is because of this thing called cross-contamination. The thing is, it doesn't mean that that item physically can't be recycled. It just means that when it gets to the sort of sorting center, the sorting center don't have the, they don't have the capacity or the facility to, to clean all of your foil and to wash it and separate it. In the industry for quite some time now, Fry Taylor started his career in 1998 after leaving college. He worked at an apprentice level, eventually qualified as a t- color technician, became a senior technician, and then head technician and staff trainer. He then moved on to the educational and sales side of things at L'Oreal, where his responsibilities were mostly taking academy-based programs and in-salon training. He then spent almost a decade with Lash House Supplies. He created every aspect of the business from product development to the brands they launched marketing, sales, distribution. And in the last couple of years, he's made a turn to sustainability. He became a consultant for sustainable salons in Australia from 2018 to 2020. That is, of course, before Green Salon Collective was founded and became operational in both the UK and Ireland. Truth be told, I've been looking forward to this conversation since uh, this summer already. And so without further ado, Fry, welcome to the show. Welcome to Forest FM. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, uh, my pleasure, Zoe. I'm uh, really happy to be here. 
So I was mentioning just there how much I was looking forward to this conversation. And the reason being is because you gave a presentation at Forest's summer gathering this year and had everybody's eyes peeled on their laptop screens because at the time we still couldn't, you know, travel around and everything. So everything was over Zoom. And you gave this presentation that just had so many insightful knowledge and facts and stories. Um, and I was just, I, I remember being in the moment and thinking, wow, we need to get Fry on the podcast. Like this needs to happen. And here we are a couple months down the line with an established partnership having this conversation. This episode sort of feels like a celebration in itself, you know? So when I was preparing for this episode, I was looking at your website, of course, the, you know, the Green Salon Collective website. And it seems as though you have an environmentally conscious answer for practically any type of waste your salon can generate. But before we get into the crux of that, I'd be curious to know more about your vision of recycling and waste management um, before you started really digging into it or, you know, before you became a consultant in Australia, uh, obviously before you launched Green Salon Collective, like where, how, what was your understanding of uh, recycling and waste management at the time? Where did that calling come from? Yeah, um, it actually came from uh, a place called Tasmania. When, when you look at the map of Australia, there's that little island just below it. It's part of Australia. It's called Tasmania. I moved there um, in my 20s, and I was working for a big uh, product company at the time. Previously, I was a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. And in the salon, I always used to be quite aware that mm -hmm. it was quite wasteful. And then working for a big product company, I could see the other side of the waste. Um, but living in Tasmania, I, I've, that's when I first sort of found my respect for the planet because everything there was based on community. Um, right. They were very into preserving Tasmania for Tasmania. So a lot of the food was grown there. Um, Neighbours would, would share, you know, things that they'd grown with, with, their, with their community as well. And it just had this real strong connection to, to the planet. Everyone did. And you couldn't help but, but get involved. Uh, so that's where my sort of connection and, and passion yeah, originally came from, was just being around around those types of people. And now it's just a part of my, of my everyday life to try and be as, as sustainable and, and as ethical as, as, as possible. Right. And when you think about, you know, waste management in um, particular, did you, were you surprised by like, you know, how things were recycled, how things were managed? Um, did you have like a, 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 I suppose, an idea of what it would look like? And then did that idea match up with what is actually happening? Yeah, well, I just assumed that um, if something went in a recycling bin, it got recycled because it's it's called a recycling bin. Um, <laughs> I, as a kid, uh, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you have this in Canada, but um, there's this thing in the UK called shepherd's pie, and um, it's just like this meaty yes. pie thing with potatoes. Yeah, yeah. So as a kid, I thought it had shepherds in it <laughs> because it was called right. shepherd's pie. Um, obviously, that's like quite a stupid thing to think, but a recycling bin is is like the modern day shepherd's pie. Because most people will think a recycling bin recycles. But in, um, in Australia, in Oceania, UK and Ireland, you're looking at sort of like 10 to 20% of what goes in a recycling bin actually gets recycled. So that's was is like... Is that it? 10%? That's, that's it, yeah. In the UK households, 
99% of what you put in a recycling bin actually gets recycled. Um, and then, so that really got me thinking about salons because I was thinking, well, salons actually um, is going to be even less because the reason recycling rates are so low is because of this thing called cross-contamination. Like basically if it's sticky or dirty, mm -hmm. it's not going to get recycled. Um, like a pizza box, for example, if it's, if, if the bottom of the pizza box is all greasy, it's not going to get recycled. So I was thinking, wow, well, look at salons. It's, it's all sticky and, and gross. All that foil, you know, the color, the, the oxidant, the developer, the shampoo. Yeah. I was like, in the salon, you're going to be lucky if anything gets recycled. So we looked into it and sadly we were right. Nothing, nothing in UK salons was actually being recycled. So that's where the sort of initial conversations happened um, for, for setting up Green Salon Collective in the UK. It was that initial research to show um, that nothing gets recycled, basically. In terms of like foil and color tubes, yeah. Before Green Salon Collective, it had never been recycled ever, anywhere. So the whole UK hairdressing industry from the year 2000 and before, everything was going into landfill, all that foil, all that colour tube. And we just thought, this is nuts. This is just unbelievable. This isn't happening. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's how it came about. So um, you were a freelance sustainability consultant in Australia for two years before co-founding Green Salon Collective. Did you notice any like stark differences, I guess, aside from that one of like, you know, in, in the UK, nothing being recycled until the year 2000? Like, was, were there any other stark differences between Australia, Oceania and Ireland and the UK, I guess? Um, yeah, well, the, the thing that really stood out was how far behind the UK and Europe were in terms of salon recycling, because um, salon recycling really started uh, 10, 15 years ago with green circle salons um, in, in North America. Uh, and then about five or so years after mm -hmm. that came sustainable salons in Australia and New Zealand. And um, yeah, and it was only till Green Salon Collective came about that, that we had a similar sort of version here. But although all the companies are very different in, in what they do, they're all essentially helping salons to be more sustainable. So the big difference, the big sort of shock for me was that it wasn't happening in the UK because as a hairdresser living in Australia, we were always looking to London and the UK and Europe for inspiration. You know, you'd always check out the, the, the fashion shows from, uh, from Paris and London, etc. So I just assumed that they would be way far ahead in their recycling as well. Um, but that, yeah, that just wasn't the case. So that was mm. the real, the real sort of eye opener for us, just how far behind they were. Right. I guess before we jump into, you know, talking about all the different types of waste and how you guys cater to recycle that, I'd love to make sure that we, as in like us and everyone else listening also are on the same page about what makes a salon sustainable. So when you look at like the accreditation you offer salons at Green Salon Collective, what are the criteria? Is, is becoming the best at recycling the end all be all? Are there other things that you can look at to make a substantial, long-lasting impact on the environment? Mm. Yeah, so the accreditation uh, is one of the key things that, that makes us different to, uh, to the other recycling companies around the world. What happened was, 
um, there is already in the UK a couple of sort of sustainability type awards. And I just had this sort of suspicion that it was a bit um, sort of bogus. It was like a, a bit of greenwashing. I, what I did was I applied for one of these awards and I made up a salon. I made it was called like fried hair uh, because my name's Fry, and it was a it was a really stupid uh, application. And I said that I didn't recycle, and I said that I wasn't even that interested. And um, and sure enough, two weeks later, I got a certificate to say what a lovely sustainable salon fried hair was. And it's funny because uh, in the hair industry, they're always like pushing the truth. Like it's always like you know, up to nine mm -hmm. levels lighter, up to 30% less frizz and, and all these types of things. And in recycling and sustainability, it's the same as well. Like this is called greenwashing. It basically just means like bullshit. Um, so this uh, award that I, that I got, I just was like, oh my God, right? So we have to do something now that has like actual meaning. Uh, we have to do something that is actually verified. So I found this really great company called the Liminatelli. And for a long time, I was calling them the Luminati. Uh, and I realized that's a separate organization. It's the <laughs> Liminatelli. And they, um, they do like these, these audits of all businesses. And they look at how ethical they are and how sustainable they are. Um, we don't just look at sustainability. We also look at the ethics as well. And they do, they do sometimes cross over. So with our accreditation, um, it doesn't just look at the like the waste management so if you're if you join green talent collective you don't get the accreditation it's not that easy uh because people have this sort of um perception that uh, oh i've got this bottle on my shelf so now i'm a sustainable salon or i've got now now i'm recycling with green salon collective so now i'm a sustainable salon it doesn't quite work like that because there could be other things that you're doing that would have a negative effect on the environment but you don't realize it um like for example most of the big banks in the UK invest their money, so our money, in fossil fuels. So you could have the most sustainable salon in mm. the area and all your money is going to someone that's putting that into things like fracking. Um, you know, or it could be that you're serving uh, milk from an animal and you could be serving plant-based milk, which environmentally is, you know, uh, heaps better. In terms of like the... The ethics side of it, we look at um, who are you marketing your salon towards? Are you just picking out a, 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 right. uh, like a specific type of person and age group, or could you be a bit more like inclusive and include your whole, you know, you know your whole community? Do you still charge differently for, mm -hmm. you know, for different genders? A salon that I worked in years ago actually got sued for charging. For, for their pricing structure they actually got taken to court and sued and lost really yeah yeah it was actually someone so he had short hair like yours and she would come into the salon right. and the salon insists that she paid for the woman's cut and blow dry and she would say well look quite clearly you know uh this is not a traditional woman's cut and blow dry it's a short cropped hairstyle so i want to pay the man's price and um yeah, uh, so she took us to court. Like, what? Just like to say, it wasn't my salon or my decision. I'll just quickly say that, but it was a <laughs> it was a salon that I was working in. So our accreditation, we wanted to look at all of those things because people have the best intentions to be sustainable mm -hmm. and ethical. They have the best intentions, 
but they don't actually realize that there's little things that they're doing um, that, that, that actually have negative consequences. So our accreditation looks at all of those um, all of those different areas. Yeah. Could there be something even in, in the, the types of offerings that you have for clients in terms of like the foods or the, the beverages that you're offering to clients? Can it go all the way down to that even? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, that is, that is a small part of the accreditation as well. Um, I've been uh, vegan personally for over 10 years. So wherever possible, I can, I can put that into Green Cell and Collective. I will try and push my, my agenda slightly. But, um, but, from, um, but from an environmental point of view, if you just take something very simple like milk, like a litre of milk, it would, be, um, it would be quite normal for a, mm -hmm. for a salon to say, we've got these special eco heads in our taps and they save us you know, 10, 50 litres a day of water. Yeah. Look how great we are. But then all if they just swapped their cow's milk for an oat milk, they'd save 500 litres of water. And, you know, no one's really going to notice the difference of the, that milk in their, in their coffee or yeah. their tea, I, I don't think. So, yeah, part of the accreditation, we, we encourage people to buy plant-based. Um, you know, we encourage people to have, you know, meat-free Mondays. It's, I always find it quite unusual that salons will boast about their products being vegan but none of the staff are, and <laughs> they don't even uh, they don't even encourage mm. like a like a meat free day or something. Do you know what I mean? Like just one day of the week, just don't bring any yeah. any meat based products into the salon. Um, so yeah, lots lots of little things like that that, that salons yeah. can do. Yeah, it's interesting. I love the nuances you bring between, you know, like it's important to do the eco head stuff and all those types of, you know, big conversations that we keep hearing in the industry and taking care of like how much color you use and all of that. But, you know, there's also a, a, there's also a myriad of other things that in the background, if you changed could have a massive impact, such as those two examples that you just gave. So I know that Green Salon Collective is still pretty young. It was yeah. founded in 2020, but you've already partnered, obviously, with us at Forest. We've mentioned this, but also with L'Oreal, Aveda, Wella, many other leading brands within the industry. Generally speaking, have you seen an uptick in the sustainability conversation amongst salon business owners since the pandemic? Yeah, the pandemic... Um we, we were born out of the pandemic because we, we were actually going to launch six months prior, but we, we couldn't because everything in the UK was closed. What happened during that first lockdown right. in the UK was that people were just spending more time thinking. Um, they were spending more time on their phones looking at you know what's available, looking at what's going on in the world. And the search term, um, as of April 2020, the search term how to live more sustainably had gone up 4,550%. 4,550%. People is, were just reflecting. They were just, that is wild. yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And there were similar search terms that just went through the roof. Suddenly, people um, were, were thinking about their, their impacts on the environment. So we ended up launching in the lockdown whilst all the salons were closed because people were just like desperate to open up um, as a as a sustainable yeah as a more sustainable business and and the partner companies that you all mentioned there as well they they recognize that as well they recognize that this isn't some sort of like trendy new thing um, this is something that's 
it's here forever. So, mm. you know, we have massive respect to um, all of our partner companies, you know, obviously Forest included in that to, to help sort of spread the message about, about what's available because, yeah, like you said, brand new company, um, no one had ever heard of us. So for companies like Forest, L'Oreal, Wella, Aveda to be, to be talking about us and promoting about us is, um, yeah, it's really special. We, we really appreciate it. So I'd like to get into like more specifically the, the type of waste that a salon can generate and how, um, you guys talk about circular solutions to each of those types of wastes. And I know that you have quite a few listed on the website, so we don't have to go mm. in detail about all of them, but definitely a few starting with hair. Um, typically, I don't know, I, I, it just ends up in a landfill, right? That's the idea that we have of, you know, once the hair has been cut, that's, yeah. that's where it goes. But um, that's not the way you guys think or operate. Mm. Once it's been cut, it actually can be made useful again. So if mm. we started with hair, how do you guys find a circular solution to that type of waste? Yeah. So with hair, we, we actually have three different things that we're doing with hair. So a big one for, for what we do is, is gardening and composting. Mm-hmm. Uh, hair is incredibly rich in nitrogen. And nitrogen is essentially a feeding block for, or a building block for amino acids, and that will develop the proteins in, in plants. And it could just be like a little pot plant around, around your home. Um, if, if you're not a, a hairdresser and you don't have access to mountains of hair, I would always say to you to take your haircut home um, and to use it around the house. And it's, not, it's honestly not as gross as it sounds. But if you... Um, <laughs> If you had two identical pot plants on, on your shelf, sorry, and one had hair and one didn't, you can give the pot plant with the hair at the base less water and it will actually grow better than the pot plant without the hair and more water. Hair will absorb those lost nutrients. Like I, I'm terrible for like overwatering plants. When you, when you do that, you're draining the nutrients from the soil. So having hair there, it actually absorbs those nutrients. And, mm-hmm. And then it will feed them back up to the plants. So we encourage it on a small scale, but we do like, you know, industrial sort of mm-hmm. composting where we take uh, hair, garden waste, food waste, and we create this, this quite, yeah, this quite rich fertilizer that then, that then grows food. So, you know, for my, like my 10 years in a salon, people would say to me, what do you do with all of that hair? And I would just have to say, well, we'll just chuck it in the bin. But like you said, we're creating circular economy solutions. So now any, any stylist can say, well, actually your hair is going to potentially grow food. And I know that can sound quite disgusting to a lot of people. But if you, if you really look into what compost was you know, uh, back in the day, it's actually not that bad at all. The other thing that we <laughs> use hair for is, uh, is for cleaning up oil spills um, and cleaning up dirty rivers and, and weirs. It is actually uh, an American invention of using hair to absorb oil like any anyone who's ever had hair knows that hair gets oily and if you've got oily greasy hair and you you go to the shower and rinse your hair off um it's still going to be oily and greasy unless you shampoo it right so put hair into like a cotton tube uh, and you can use it to clean off surface level pollutants uh, it could be, yeah, it could be oil. Uh, it could be any sort of pollutant on the surface level of a water and, and you can remove it from the water. So, um, we've been doing that, um, 
few times now over the, over the last year. We had an oil spill uh, in Northern Ireland where there was red diesel oil that was coming off of farmland. Mm. Um, and we, we took about 60, uh, 70 kilograms of, of hair and we were able to, to take that oil out of the water, which was, uh, which was really special. Was that the first time you helped out clean an oil spill, I guess, with that technique? That was the first uh, of the sort of, yeah, larger, more impactful uh, cleanups that we did because we'd done smaller ones where we'd just seen sort of like a dirty, mucky river mm-hmm. and we'd cleaned it up. But this one, um, this one happened quite quite quickly and just by pure coincidence, it was only sort of 30 minutes away from, from the base of Green Cell and Collective. So we were able to get there quite quickly, get in the water quite quickly. Um, and it made, it made national and international news. It was like, there was a picture of me in my short shorts on the mm. front page of a newspaper in Turkey. <laughs> but yeah, that, that story was picked up, uh, you know, by all, all the, you know, like BBC and, uh, you know, big, uh, or news organizations. So it was great to, um, yeah, for, for the word to get out, but it was also great just to see it in action and just to, to see this hair absorbing yeah. oil it's it's just like if you spill a coffee on a table and you use the sponge to clean it up it, it works like that and it works that quickly it's incredible yeah. it's incredible um the most recent thing that we're doing with hair is that we've launched a research and development platform looking into uh looking mm-hmm. into to all waste streams really but one of the ones that we're having quite a bit of fun with is hair and um, we've teamed up with a, a big university here the university of southampton um we're looking at the effects of the hair on the mm-hmm. soil like does does colored hair have a greater effect on the microorganisms of the soil than, than natural hair um we're looking at ways of turning hair into different building materials so we're felting hair using it as insulation right. there's people in london that have used hair to make clothes uh one of our research partners has used hair to create uh, a string and then that string has created a rope and then that rope was turned into a swing and you could actually swing on a on a, wow. uh, on a swing made from from human hair such a bizarre feeling when you sit on it because of the elasticity of hair the swing actually <laughs> drops you know a few inches uh, depending on how heavy you are and um i feel like it's only the sort of tip of the iceberg and it's going to be lots of fun crazy things coming out of, uh, of the woodwork with the, with the hair particular, yeah. Well, that brings me on to my second type of waste, I guess. Another one that is typically harder to perhaps think about a recycling solution for. And you alluded to this type of waste earlier. So metals, foils and colour tubes. What is your circular solution to this in Green Salon Collective? Yeah, so the metals is um, is is probably like one of the saddest stories of all because unfortunately the the current sort of infrastructure of uk um and most places around the world is that if it's contaminated as in if it's dirty or or sticky it doesn't get recycled so um the thing is it doesn't mean that that item physically can't be recycled it just means that when it gets to the sort of sorting center the the sorting center don't Mm -hmm. have the they don't have the capacity or the facility to, to clean all of your foil and to wash it and separate it. I um, used to think that a sort of recycling center, a sorting center, 
had like a hundred happy, cheerful people all cleaning out your jars and separating your recycling bits and pieces. The reality of a, of a sorting center is a couple of sweaty fat blokes in a conveyor belt. And as all of these items fly down, if they see a big sticky contaminated oil, you know, tubes, plastic bottles, it all just gets put into landfill. Um, if those contaminated metals were kept together uh, and they didn't touch anything else, you're actually able mm -hmm. to, to recycle them. So what we do is we turn the salons into sorting centers. So without them even knowing okay. it, they have a little bin just for their contaminated metals. Everything goes in, all the metals go into that same, that same container. And then when it comes to us, we've just got this one big pile of contaminated metals. So we're able just to sort it, bail it up, and then we can even sell it. We can even raise money from it um, before it even gets recycled. So we've gone from a system of uh, putting a metal into the bin where it goes to landfill to 100% recycling it and even making money off that process as well. Whenever Green Salon Collective makes money from waste streams, we give, we give that money to charity. So in our first year, uh, we've, given, we've given something like £7,200 um, to, to charity. From, from just selling rubbish, <laughs> basically. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, we've, we've given like 2,400 2, meals to a charity that gives people um, meals, people that need a meal. Uh, and there's also a, another charity that we work with called Haircuts for Homeless. Uh, and we've been able to give, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, to, to give that, that charity a few thousand as well, as well as all the rewilding projects and, uh, and stuff like that. So it's quite... Um, it's quite a, a decent amount, um, considering uh, you know we're only new in the you know in our in our first yeah, in our first year. So seven, I think seven thousand, I think that's like nine thousand US dollars, <clears throat> nine and a half thousand US dollars. Yeah, that's fantastic for a first year, and honestly, really promising for the next you know coming years. In terms of the next type of waste. And here I'm referring to a, a big one, I guess, chemicals and PPE, uh, especially off the back of COVID, you know, and the rise of PPE. Is your circular solution for chemicals and PPE similar to the one that you have for metals? I mean, first and foremost, we do, where possible, uh, try to get people to use reusable PPE. So PPE that can be washed, washed and used again. Um, but that isn't always the case, mm -hmm. and the laws sometimes change that you have to uh, you have to actually dispose of these items as well. So at the time of it launching, we did have the world's uh, only um, fully recyclable uh, face mask. The face mask was made from just one single stream of plastic, so that meant it was able to be recycled again into further plastic items. Um, but generally, with with PPE, it is treated in what we call a waste to energy system. So it's uh, sort of a step down from recycling, but a step up from uh, from landfill. But it's really the the best option for it. And chemicals right. is, a, is a similar way as well. We were looking at a process of spinning the chemicals to remove the water, but it actually it actually turns out to be more problematic mm -hmm. doing that because you have to add more chemicals to the chemicals before you spin it. And then all the emissions and energy and, and effort in 
removing a bit of water is actually not worth it uh, in in the end. So chemicals and PPE, they, they will generally go through that, that waste energy system. But yeah, most of the salon items we're able to recycle. And if, if we can't recycle it, then it's that waste energy, but nothing, nothing to landfill and never, ever anything to landfill. Right. So in, in light of the partnership between Forest and Green Salon Collective, as a Forest client, you can now easily add a custom or what um, we call a green fee in your system. You have the flexibility to choose whether the fee will be a percentage of the total bill um, or a flat rate. And you also have the option to apply the fee automatically. So once you create your green fee, you can essentially set it and forget it. But if we take that back a little, if I'm a salon owner, how does becoming a part of Green Salon Collective work? Do you have like a step-by-step guide for owners looking into it? Um, yeah, like what does that process look like essentially? Yeah, the... Um the technology is is a really important part of the process being successful because in order for a salon to be successful with with green salon collective they they want to be charging or they need to be charging their clients a, a one a uh, one pound or or one euro um or i guess in 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 north america a dollar green fee so the reason that we encourage this this green fee is because it offsets all future costs so if you're going to have your hair done and you pay this one this one pound green fee, um, you know, in uh, 99 more than 99.9 times out of 100, the guests are actually happy to pay that because they're happy to support a good cause. If you don't have decent um, software, if you're not using Forest, it becomes a lot more difficult because your your team will forget to charge that green fee. Um, if you've got that green fee as a separate item, mm-hmm. it encourages a conversation. So people will say, what is this green fee for if they didn't know already? And then you can explain to them all the stories and everything that they're, that they're involved with. Um, it also then gets the community talking because if you, if there's your local hair salon starts charging a green fee, you're like, what on earth are they doing to charge a green fee? It's just a haircut. And then, um, and then the community, you know, starts to hear that this salon is is doing uh, is doing X, Y, and Z, and all this positivity comes from a green fee, and you can't do that without uh, without you know forest type software. So it's um, yeah, it's so it's so important, and, and we're so grateful to Forest for 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 setting it up in in exactly the way that we want it because it means it's yeah, it means it's completely successful, and it means that you can be on our system and and not even pay for it. Because your clients are paying for it through their through their green fees, so in the UK and Ireland uh, and, and in parts of Europe, right. um, we're going to be available for the actual recycling system. If you're outside of those areas, you can join us for the um, for the accreditation. Uh, we also have a carbon offsetting um, system as well, and you can also sort of follow along and learn with the the research and development too and that's and that's all on our website yeah well speaking of the research and development um department this like obviously we've mentioned the services you uh, you include recycling education and accreditation research and development being um one of the parts that i felt you were very excited about when we were preparing for this episode um can you tell me more about the main focus of this department like what what are you guys aiming to do with this and and where is it at right now yeah well there's two there's two elements one is because i really want to be like i really want to have like a willy wonka type factory 
with all these mad experiments going on with with hair and other salon waste. That's uh, that's something I've wanted for a long time. Um, but the uh, and that's really the true answer. But the serious answer is that one of the main objectives, <laughs> uh, the main objective really, is to advance our knowledge around sustainability within the hair and beauty industry. Um, and we're especially interested in mm-hmm. the impacts of hair, um, you know, uh, treated hair, where, the impacts of hair on water, soil, and the, uh, like I said, the microorganisms as well. So um, we can't do it yeah. alone. That's the, that's the most important thing. As as smart as the green, the other members of the Green Salon Collective team are, we can't do it on our own. And that's why it's partly why we have the name Collective in our title because we want to collaborate uh, and research with, with, you know, all different types of people. So um, as well as the team, we work with researchers, uh, academic institutions, uh, designers, product companies, product developers, uh, and, and charities. And we're all just sort of trying to, I guess we're just trying to pull the resources of, of all of these really smart people in and outside of our industry and just, yeah, advance our knowledge and, and try and come up with some new um, some new solutions for, for what we can do with the masses of, of waste that we get through in our industry. Yeah. Would you consider having, say, like a, an industry kind of type report or, or um, a white paper, say, even once a year on the, the results from this research and development um, department? Yeah, it's um, as, as things are starting to happen, we, they, they, will, they will be published on, on our website. So we don't want to hold back sort of any secrets for, for ourselves. If there's something that we discover mm-hmm. that could help green circle salons in in North America, then we would we would share it with them. Or if it's something that we could share with sustainable salons in New Zealand, then we would definitely share it with them. Um, it's it's just it's a very new platform. So there's there's things that are slowly coming out on our website now, yeah. but there's already um, some good information there about about composting, for example, um, that sort of sheds some new light on. Yeah, on, on that type of thing. So yeah, definitely happy to uh, to, to share it and publish it. That's, that's no problem. That's wonderful. And I would encourage everyone listening to check out um, the Green Salon Collective blog. There's some really, really cool articles up there. Um, for just, to, I guess, to, to wrap up today's conversation, um, I want to make sure that people know where to find you online or how they can reach out to you. So if they wanted to get in touch, like if, a, if I'm a salon owner and I'm listening to this conversation and I'm like, I want to have more information, I want to join Green Salon Collective, how does that work? Um, where do I go to? And uh, what are my next steps, really? Yeah, well, I guess the best step would be, um, be greensaloncollective.com. Uh, it is mostly focused on UK and Ireland, but as I said, accreditation and the carbon offsetting is is available is available worldwide. Um, we have all the usual things as well. Instagram is definitely our most active account in terms of content and what we're doing. Um, but there are other things like Facebook and uh, TikTok and LinkedIn and, and those types of stuff as well. But yeah, any any, any platform, just type in Green Cell and Collective, and you should you should find us. Amazing. Well, Fry, thank you so much for your time, your insights, your knowledge. This was fantastic. And I hope that this episode resonates just as strongly as your presentation did with us at Forest this summer. Now, I promise this is the last question I have for you. It's our thought starter question. When it comes to the environment, what scientific or research breakthrough do you think would have the biggest effect 
on humanity as of now? Ooh, well, I kind of feel like the natural thought when you are running a business is coming from a place of desperation to like drive performance and drive business, right? But giving staff feedback is hard, isn't it? Well, the process of empowering teams to reach their goals and targets just got that much easier. Celebrate having a competitive edge with Forrest's new staff performance tool. Give your team access to key metrics like revenue and transactions for services, product retail and client booking. The new performance report is a form of way power that you're giving them and saying like, here's information in your hands. It's 24-7 access to their KPIs, all from the Forest Go mobile app. Visit forest.com for more information. I kind of feel like that, that information is, is actually already there, but it's actually largely ignored by everyone. And um, without trying to sound too much like a, like a mm. preachy vegan, uh, it's very, very simple to just switch to a plant, <laughs> to just to switch to a plant-based diet. You, you know, you don't have to do it every, every day of the week if if meat is a part of your your diet three times a, three times a day. But I feel like that that would have such a huge uh, positive change on the on the environment if you if you simply just changed what you put in your coffee. You know, just changed what you put in your sandwich. Um, you're, you're not even going to taste any difference, but you're actually going to be doing quite a considerable amount for the environment. So I hope that somewhat answers your question. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the insights. Um, for anyone looking to get in touch or get started with Green Salon Collective, you can head over to the website. We're going to have, we're going to have all the links in uh, today's show notes as well. So make it easy for you guys. Fry, thank you so much for your time. Once again, it was a pleasure to have you on Force FM. Thanks, Zoe. Sustainability is a company-wide value at Forest, and this dedication resonates from the top down. For Forest CEO Ronan Percival, protecting the planet is a personal passion. One of our founding principles has been to use our technology to enable salons to go paperless. And as a Forest salon, you can handle consultation forms and receipts digitally, while the Forest Go app equips staff with all the information they need to have. Besides this, we've also made efforts within our own business operations, including sustainability undertakings, such as becoming one of the founding members of Irish Tech Goes Carbon Neutral, working with forestry partners in planting real-life forests, restoring native Irish woodland and offsetting over 600 tons of carbon dioxide from 2019 and over 550 in 2020, installing green energy and solar panels in Forest HQ in 2019, and promoting hybrid working in 2021. And as Forest invests in sustainability ourselves, we want to empower our salons to do the same. By joining Green Salon Collective's circular economy and utilizing Forest's custom fees feature, your salon is well on its way to becoming one of the role models our industry needs. If you're a Forest client, you can contact your business advisor for more information about the Green Salon Collective partnership and the custom fees feature. The planet and your clients will thank you. Don't forget that you can always head over to force.com forward slash FM to catch up on everything that's related to the show. And as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this conversation or the show in general, we're all ears. Email us at forcedfm at force.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And if you've enjoyed this episode, why not pay it forward and share it with a friend or a colleague and tag us in the post. Your continued support is warmly appreciated and truly is what makes this show possible. On that note, We'll catch you all next Monday.
This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Get your clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.